So I'm sure everybody knows about what's been uh, going down. It's a really, really frightful, um, disgusting situation. Uh, and thankfully, I'm in the interviewer's chair now for a change. I'm going to be interviewing PJ. I'm a guest on my own show. I'm going to be interviewing PJ about what just happened to him. This whole debacle, this mess, right? So just to give some context, I'm going to open up with a little bit of context, right? So the assistant returning officer has filed a police report against New Narrative for publishing paid advertisements which amounted to the illegal conduct of election activity under Section 83, Part 2 of the Parliamentary Elections Act. That's, that's basically what happened. That's right. basically what happened, right? So everything began during the GE period, mm -hmm. where on 3rd of July, the Elections Department issued a takedown uh, on a post. Yes. And they say, they, they say something along the lines of, I have it here... Um, on 4th of July, New Narrative publicized the takedown. So one day after the takedown, New Narrative publicized the takedown and then continued to publish ever other paid advertisements. Yes. So what are these other paid advertisements? Okay, so first I want to um, clarify the, the first post was the uh, satirical video called uh, Discretion, right? right? A Cologne advertisement. Mm -hmm. Uh, where the satirical ad argued that Singapore's laws were written so broadly that it virtually criminalizes all legitimate political expression in Singapore and then leaves discretion in the hands of senior politicians or civil servants or appointed officials to then take action selectively. I got to right. say, this is all very ironic, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a bit. Well, that's the point we then made in the next day on the 4th of July. The post that we put up said, this is an exact demonstration of the point we made because there are other people running, uh, you know, boosted posts during the election. But do they get their posts taken down? Do they get targeted? No. Right. So the point of the 4th July post, which publicized the takedown, mm -hmm. was to say, look, they have proved exactly the point we're trying to make. Mm -hmm. Now, we then respected that we didn't rerun the discretion cologne ad, mm -hmm. but uh, we then boosted other posts during the election period. And none of them had any direct uh, you know, bearing on the, on the election. Mm. Um, I have to add at this point that the Elections Department has not seen fit to tell us exactly which posts are the ones, because they say there are another four, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, they have not told us which four are the ones. I, I wish they would come out and state clearly mm -hmm. which uh, post they're referring to. But uh, I looked back on our posts, and as far as I can tell, uh, they're all either a list of previously published articles on new narrative, um, or previously published videos on New Narrative, or advertisements for our uh, watch parties, mm -hmm. or previously published comics. So it wasn't anything even new, right? Yeah. It wasn't news, it wasn't commentary. It was just, here's a list of previously published stuff on New Narrative, mm -hmm. uh, which we run all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's... So, so that's a little bit odd, right? Because that the phrasing of this press release makes it sound like there's this idea that we told you to stop, but you put out more stuff. You didn't care, right? You just went ahead with it. Um, yeah, you know, I don't. I also don't understand because there's no consistency after the discretion ad. If you're going to say specifically, okay, the discretion ad is wrong, we didn't then 
do it again. No, yeah, but you didn't post those, anything in that yeah. would be similar to that discussion. You didn't yeah. post more satire, more attacks, right? Nothing we did mm -hmm. featured any PAP or opposition, any political candidate. Mm -hmm. And in the um, the other thing is the articles that we posted. Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, the, the, the lists of articles that we posted, we, uh, looking back, as far as I can tell, we boosted them all. Mm -hmm. Some of them were accepted mm -hmm. and not taken down. Some of them were rejected mm -hmm. or accepted and then taken down. I don't understand the pattern. I don't understand the consistency. If you, you know, feel that a list of articles is election advertising, surely you should take them all down, right? So I don't even understand the rationale on which they're behaving, but that's the point. Mm -hmm. It's entirely arbitrary. This law is entirely arbitrary. Just really up to their discretion. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> discretion. So, um, so, so this whole issue started to come up when on 18 September, the election department issued a statement and a press release that, you know, which I have right here uh, saying, oh, this is the, this is what the police report was filed for. This is what happened. This is what you did. Um, and then also interesting to bring up, that's the day that the elections department also cleared Ong Yi Kang's name. Right. Like as a kind of, I don't know if it's irony or a kind of serendipity or just an insult to the face of common sense. But Ong Yi Kang himself was cleared on that day, right? So Ong Yi Kang, I think if you don't know, um, made a very, a very, very questionable video during the election where he was speaking to a little boy um, and, and he kind of did this, this odd thing where he asked the little boy, what are your favorite places in Sambawang? And the little boy says, this place and that place. And then Ong Yi Kang goes on to say, well, you know, there was nothing here before MP Lim Wee Kiak decided to make this a nice park, right? And you know, if that's not like child, like using a child to do propaganda, I don't know what is, right? The Online Citizen Asia actually has a list of 10 other uh, advertising or violations of election rules that the Elections Department has not addressed, mm -hmm. uh, including PAP MP Sun Sherling's campaign, campaign video featuring school children, PAP campaign posters with no ELD stickers, uh, the PAP is candidate, one of the candidates for Aljunit GRC giving out gifts, and um, also uh, there is a... Uh, there was a report, which I believe a police report has been filed about, about migrant workers working for a town council um, doing uh, work on behalf of the PAP and carrying bags with PAP uh, uh, um, logos, right? And so that itself is illegal, doubly illegal, because it's not just uh, advertising, but these are foreign uh, citizens. And so why aren't all those cases also being investigated? So, I mean, not only is this just a blatant double standard, and thank God that somebody has documented all of the cases, but it really shows that even when they do, at, when they at least posture to say rule of law is equal and they issue something against Ong Yi Kang, it's ultimately dropped, right? I don't think he got his place ransacked. He didn't get uh, called in for questioning. He didn't get his stuff confiscated. So Yes, it's also definitely, you're absolutely right, unequal application of the the law of of the you know um, bureaucracy of mm. the law, the enforcement of the law, because uh, for an offense like say mine or Raisha Khan, you know you get interviewed, you get uh, you end up at a police station for several hours. In my case, of course, 
they seized my phone, they invaded my home to seize my laptop. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, Ong Ye Kang oh, just dismissed, right? Um, or the police reports against Heng Sui Kiet or um, the blogger uh, Wendy Cheng Xiaxue mm-hmm. also just dismissed. So there is the, 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 the general sense that I get is that there is a um, double standard, not just in... Um, whether or not a police report is filed or a complaint is filed, but mm-hmm. then in how the police choose to investigate and enforce these uh, these complaints. Mm-hmm. And I have to say also that what Ong Yikang did is far more damning than anything that New Narrative posted because this is straight up propaganda, right? That's not okay. Um, using children uh, in a video... You yes, know, that's it's, very it's explicitly diff- prohibited in yeah. the law to use children for a video. Yeah, which yeah. it yeah, you know, so that is that's an explicit. That's a case where it's explicit, right? Here they are bringing to bear um, this section eighty three of the Parliamentary Elections Act, mm-hmm. which is so vaguely worded, and then kind of twisting it to, so sort of catch you or to get at you, right? Whereas well, this is a case where uh, so it's direct. It's in the law. It's codified. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, to be fair, I think Ong Ye Kang did take down his ad straight away and did apologize for it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we we ought be we have to be clear on that. Yeah. Yes, but I think that 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 definitely is a double standard, and that has been demonstrated um, over and over again mm-hmm. uh, in how, as I mentioned, you know, Raisha Khan versus other racially charged statements versus the treatment um, of people on um, on cooling off day, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. We remember the last two elections, mm-hmm. the same pattern where people who posted pro-PAP things on cooling off day were merely, you know, they were not investigated or they were merely given warnings, whereas uh, Teo Solang had her home raided, mm. Roy Nung um, also uh, was interrogated and got into a lot of trouble, right? And I understand that there are postings from this past election on cooling off day which were not investigated as well, mm-hmm. and these were pro-PAP postings by senior civil servants, so uh, or former retired senior civil servants. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's more details on the online citizen, um, but uh, again, it's it's just a blatant double standard. Yeah. Well, so right after the election department issues the statement, uh, new narrative releases a counter statement, uh, and then very quickly after that, international the International Press Institute or IPI issues a statement urging Singapore to withdraw the police complaint. Right. So I think it's quite nice that, you know, uh, to see that we're getting checked, at least by international organizations who are stepping in. They're saying this is wrong, you know, and you can't get away with this stuff. It's going to be seen. It's going to affect your image in the international community. But so great, you know, great, great, great news to hear that, that, that there are people speaking out about this. Um, right after that, on the 21st of September, you get brought in for questioning at 10 a.m., and then yesterday, we're recording is, this on the 22nd of September. Yeah. And then um, brought home at about 3 p.m. where your laptop and phone got confiscated. Well, my phone was confiscated at the police station. Oh. So then they said, we also want your laptop. And then for some reason, they needed four police officers uh, in two separate cars mm-hmm. to come over uh, with me to my home to um, then seize my laptop. Why four? Well, you'll have to ask them that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe That's a I, bit intimidating. Do no? I look very dangerous to you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So they so they come into your place, seize your things. Yes. I mean, and right here, actually, we're recording this in my living room. So right here. 
<sighs> okay, I, I don't know. This is just, it's just depressing, right? I mean, is, is that necessary? I mean, you have the post, right? You clearly have, um, anybody has access to the post, right? You could go onto Facebook and do a little bit of snooping, which I did, right? Yeah. And you're able to find the post. What do you need the damn laptop for, you know? Apart to you know, apart from you know, just intimidation, harassment. Like, how does it help in the investigation? I don't know. I get very frustrated by these abuses of common sense. And <clears> also, <throat> what they did was they asked me to sign across some seals uh, and then stick the seals over all the ports and over the um, end of the laptop, which opens. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if they're going to go to all this trouble to seal the laptop to show that it has not been tampered with, it suggests that they're not going to open the laptop immediately. Um, I think Terry Shi of the Online Citizen mm-hmm. uh, Asia has said that what the, what it's actually for uh, in these cases is that if it goes to trial, the laptop can then be introduced in court to show that it was not tampered with and then can be opened up uh, and um, uh, the whatever evidence that's inside can then be used. So it's actually... Um, if this is the case, it's actually not even for this investigation. It's merely to... Uh, you know, confiscate my laptop, uh, inconvenience me for a significant amount of time um, for a scenario which may may or may not happen uh, and for evidence uh, which they actually uh, probably already, I mean, can access online, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I should note at this point that Rachel Tung, uh, her laptop was seized in 2016 for a case which has already been uh, all the way gone through the courts, concluded, finished, and I understand she has not received, you know, had her laptop returned to her. So, um, the, I, th- I, I think there is uh, a clear design, desire to abuse uh, and intimidate and harass mm. uh, as part of this. Yeah, and part of that intimidation and harassment also comes in the form of the charge and the penalty that you're looking at right now. So if you're charged, you do face a fine of $200 and or 12 months jail. I think it's $2,000. Sorry, $2,000 and or 12 months jail, which is, I mean, certainly something that I... I can't imagine sort of staring at. That's quite a, that's quite a substantial amount. But I think one of the things also that's important to note here is what exactly uh, the law is. What exactly is written in the section that is being brought to bear in this case, right? So the important sections are Section eighty three, Part two, which states that no person shall conduct any election activity. Emphasis on that word, unless he is in possession of a written authority. Um, and such authority shall be issued only after the day of nomination. So that's that's the, that's the section that's being brought to bear. Now, of course, the key thing to define here is what is election activity? Because that term just sounds really broad. So you hope that in the following section, they give you a nice definition of it, which they do, uh, which comes in section 8, which says, for the purposes of this section, election activity includes any activity which is done for the purpose of A, promoting or procuring the electoral success at any election for one or more identifiable political parties, or B, prejudicing the electoral prospects of other political parties, candidates, or groups of candidates at the election. So it it remains just as vague. It, just, it they may as well have just left this bit out. What This is so... I mean, how could this not be used to apply to a meme? Or, or, or an opinion piece 
I don't understand what's happening here. Can you shed some light on this? No, well, you know, this is the, the whole point of the discretion video. All mm -hmm. our laws uh, relating to political activity uh, over time are, um, have been expanded uh, to the point where it basically criminalizes all political activity, mm -hmm. right? And this allows the government to then say that uh, um, legitimate political activity is illegal. Mm -hmm. and the discretion to apply it against their opponents while letting their supporters off the hook. Under the law, election advertising in particular is defined extremely broadly. Because mm -hmm. remember, I discussed in another of my videos on the show that information control is really, really key to uh, you know, PAP authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. So if you actually scroll up to the definition section of the Parliamentary Elections Act, it mm -hmm. says election advertising means any poster, banner, notice, circular, handbill, illustration, article, advertisement, or other material that can be reasonably regarded as intended, mm -hmm. A, to promote or procure electoral success, blah, 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 mm -hmm. or B, otherwise enhance the standing of any such political parties, candidates, groups, candidates, etc. Mm -hmm. And then, this is the most important bit, it says, and such material shall be election advertising, even though it can be reasonably regarded as intended to achieve any other purpose as well. And even though it does not expressly mention the name of any political party or candidate, but excludes any button badge, pen, pencil, balloon, or any other thing prescribed by the minister by notification in the Gazette. So basically anything, mm -hmm. literally anything, any public statement falls afoul of this act. Anything, the moment you comment on politics over WhatsApp, for example, mm -hmm. over, um, you know, on an internet forum, on your Facebook page, mm -hmm. that is election advertising. There is nothing in here, yeah. right, that says that it has to be paid. Yeah. There's nothing in here that says, you know, that it has to um, actually be demonstrably in favor of, a, of a, uh, any certain... Uh, party, yeah. it could be anything, and you could intend it entirely for any other purpose, and it would still run afoul of this act. Mm -hmm. And of course, as with PAP laws, there's a loophole where the minister can then um, gazette something as not being election advertising. Mm -hmm. But why is it the minister? You know, again, this is it's a very political, politicized act, and it's run by the elections department, which is part of the prime minister's office. So mm -hmm. it's completely political. I think it's also extremely scary to have laws that are so re really vague uh, and unclear, right? Um, in that, I'm just thinking right now, you have a bunch of these very vague and unclear laws, so blanket that they could really apply to anything or anyone. Yeah. And I'm thinking about all of the pages that are coming up right now on Instagram or on Facebook, right, where you have sort of young activists doing investigative journalism, posting, posting think pieces or opinion pieces, explainer series, um, Insta slideshows, Insta stories that are commenting on things. Um, all of that is not exactly very far off from what you're doing. And that yeah. just strikes fear in a lot of individuals because what then gets to be counted as this election activity uh, that is chargeable under the law? Right. Yes. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of these new pages, which are wonderful, um, including yours. Thank you. Wake up SG. <laughs> Check you. it out. Um, and a lot of these pages are run by students, run by young individuals who can't deal with take, having their laptop taken away. 
That's yeah. your assignments. That's your finals there, right? That's yeah. your source of income. Yeah. They can't deal with 12 months in prison. They can't, and not even to speak about the family issues, just how yeah. uh, when the police show up at your place, yeah. um, you know, when the police show up at my place, when I, when I was investigated, my mom nearly had a heart attack, you know? And, and, and she was just devastated. I think the whole family was, was devastated. Um, the neighbors as well. It was, it's just a very surreal uh, and very traumatic experience. And that's going to put people off from producing the kind of robust discourse and discussion, yes. um, especially at election time where you really need it, right? Especially in this election, which was online, Yes. where we really needed that online discussion to help us make our minds up, where you needed to see all of the perspectives. Now they're coming in and using this law and saying, nah, we get, the, we get to decide. It's our discretion, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's scary on many, many, many levels, right? And I think Absolutely. that there's, there's a certain precedent here that's being set. There's something yeah. I think very, very horrifying that's being set here. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, yeah. Again, so first point, this is this is how Singapore works, right? Uh, this allows the government to say that there is rule of law, but actually there isn't, mm -hmm. and there is abuse of law. There is abuse of power, mm -hmm. um, and they can say, oh, it is not illegal to walk down the street mm -hmm. or stand in the street and take a photo or make a statement online mm -hmm. or express your opinion peacefully, until it is, and then they can use the Public Order Act or the Parliamentary Elections Act, mm -hmm. or POFMA, right? Or the Vandalism Act, let's not forget, van the Vandalism Act is crazy because it criminalizes public uh, transmission of information. Mm -hmm. You don't actually need to damage public property or private property mm -hmm. to run afoul of the Vandalism Act. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's how crazy the Vandalism Act is. No, nothing of what we reasonably can conclude to be vandalism mm -hmm needs to happen for you to run afoul of the Vandalism Act, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing, and this is why New Narrative is fighting so hard, mm -hmm. is that if we don't push back and show how hypocritical and ridiculous these laws are, mm -hmm. the PAP government will use these laws to severely constrain our free, legitimate political expression. Mm -hmm. And as citizens, we have the right and the responsibility to express ourselves peacefully about political issues, but the PAP will use all these laws to intimidate us and make us scared so that we self-censor mm. and then the PAP government can say, hey, we didn't you know, stop them from saying, if they don't want to say, what can we do, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. It's to make us fear. And this is why New Narrative is going to fight this every step of the way mm -hmm. and fight really, really hard to keep this public space as broad and as open as possible for the the fundamental rights of Singaporeans. Yeah. Well, well, we can't talk about this issue without talking about it and situating it as part of a larger, uh, as part of a larger campaign of continued harassment against new narrative, right? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us uh, a brief sort of history of this long and never seemingly never ending cycle of abuse and harassment against yourself and new narrative? <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry for like forcing you to relive the trauma, but I think yeah. there uh, is an importance <laughs> to it. Yeah. Yes, um, I think so. To you, you know, to understand some of it, new narrative uh, was founded in 2017 by three Singaporeans, but we take an explicitly Southeast Asian wide view 
because we understand that Southeast Asia is not cannot be uh, defined entirely by one country and vice versa, that Singapore cannot be understood without um, reference to our neighbours. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that context, right, um, we set up the company and wanted to register it in all the various Southeast Asian countries, starting with Singapore. Mm-hmm. But in the wake of the select committee, which I don't think needs any explanation or recounting here, um, the um, ACRA, the Registry of Companies, uh, de- uh, de- denied our registration and uncharacteristically put out a press release saying that New Narrative was um, an avenue for foreign interference in Singapore, was taking part in international conspiracies, you know, wild, crazy accusations mm-hmm. saying that we were foreign funded. I mean, half of Singapore's economy comes from companies which are at least 51% owned by foreigners. So, you know, the whole country is foreign funded. I've made this point in my, again, in my videos. Yeah. What is foreign funding, right, <laughs> in this day and age when money comes into Singapore? I mean, and, it's yeah. the 21st century. Yes. You know, globalization has been a thing for hundred, you know, hundred, uh, about a hundred years, hundred plus years, hundred. Right? Yeah, I mean, what is colonialism right. but enforced globalization? And, and, you know, make forcibly integrating us into a global economy, whether we like it or not. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. this is this is like sociology, economics, basics, right? Yeah. It's a global economy. Our money is, is international, yeah. right? Our economy is international. Mm. What on earth are you talking about foreign funding? Okay. Yeah, and new narrative was very clear. We revealed who funded us, where our money was coming from, and we leave it up to the people to decide, right? If you think that we're some sort of conspiracy theorists or whatever, just ignore mm-hmm. us, you know? Uh, we've, we're very transparent. You can go to our website, newnarrative.com slash transparency. So after that, um, there was uh, a long series of attacks either on Kirsten, my co-founder, uh, uh, Kirsten Han. Uh, check out her work, fantastic work. Um, and myself, uh, and on the organization by the government of Singapore, and in particular by the Minister of Law and Home Affairs, uh, Mr. Shamugam, who um, mentioned that, you know, in various places that we were foreign funded, that we were avenues of foreign interference, etc., etc., talking about the need for a law to prevent foreign interference, right? Um, and then, of course, again, after we had the temerity to meet Prime Minister Mahathir in Malaysia, uh, attacks on us as traitors, anti-national, you know, evil, trying to subvert the country. Again, insane. I mean, just because I meet someone and try and convince him to be a Democrat in his country, and let's not forget New Narrative's headquarters is in Kuala Lumpur and we're registered in Kuala Lumpur, right? Somehow I'm therefore a traitor to Singapore and I'm inviting him to invade and over the, you know like take over singapore nonsense never never did that never said any of that but all of that's been imputed on us and uh, sia kemping the mp you know put it on his facebook page um accusing me of being a traitor which is again nonsense right uh i mean if i meet lee sen long does it mean suddenly mean that i'm a you know a patriot <laughs> love the country i mean you know if i meet jokowi i've met politicians from plenty of places suddenly I'm and of course it's ridiculous you can't say that new narrative is in a conspiracy with George Soros and then in a conspiracy with Mahathir at the same time the two yeah. men hate each other <laughs> <laughs> okay so I mean, then, how many conspiracies are they going to throw out yeah, you know at this yeah. point but all right so what happens after that? So after that, uh, there's been more attacks um, especially by people we believe to be government proxies 
Um, and of course, there's POFMA. POFMA, we campaigned against. We mm -hmm. warned very much of the consequences, many of which I've spoken about already today. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, POFMA was then used against us twice. No surprise there. We made very clear our opposition to it, um, that we're contesting, we're fighting. Um, and what's more, you know, we've actually, I think, uh, really humiliated, embarrassed the government over their use of POFMA and shown what um, a facile, you know, authoritarian, ridiculous law it is designed purely to ensure that the PAP government has a monopoly on the truth. Um, and that, that brings us in, you know, up to today. So here we are, and, and yet another attack on new narrative and on the, the, the right of the people of Singapore to express themselves politically. Yeah. And I think also that this is a, it, it as a concerted effort against an independent news site, an independent journalistic site. That's particularly scary, right? Because these are sort of the underdogs. These are the alternative perspectives. And on the other hand, a separate set of alternative perspectives are being sort of allowed to sort of slip through the cracks, right? You have Kelvin Cheng, uh, who 3rd to 7th July ran this voter education series, right? And also boosted the ads, also did paid advertisements, right? And that's horrifying because you're allowing some, some appearance of independent commentary, right? But really, you're censoring the independent commentary that doesn't align with you. And then allowing there to be this kind of mock agora, this mock uh, sense of discussion and debate. But it's all on one side, right? You know, I think the, 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 the state, the powers that be, whatever it is, is very happy to kind of have a bunch of these, in, these independent commentators like Critical Spectator and Calvin Cheng nitpick about policy details, pragmatics, but they don't want anybody to challenge the idea that there may be historical, structural and systemic issues with the way the entire thing is set up. And it may have something to do with the way that the party is run, has been run and will continue to be run because of its direction. Right. So I think that's it's particularly insidious in this case. Right. Um, I, 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 I think we're really looking at a, 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 a case here. Right. That. Would, would see us have elections that really don't look like elections. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine. Like, what, what, is, what is an election going to look like? A bunch of people arguing like policy details and pragmatics. Mm. Um, critical spectator and Kelvin Cheng going off on a debate, right? Yeah, well, there's the thing to remember. Elections are not free or fair, right? It's not just Singaporeans or new narratives saying this, but the ASEAN parliamentarians of human rights. So it's not even like some sort of Western NGO or government these are MPs from the rest of ASEAN looking at Singapore and saying, your elections are really, really unfree and unfair, mm -hmm. which is very embarrassing, you know, as a Singaporean, um, to know that your country is falling short, so drastically short of accepted uh, regional standards of good behavior that even your neighbors look at you and, and, and you know, express... Uh, <laughs> you know, this is such such a such an opinion, such a negative opinion. Right? It's very sad, and I and this is part of it, right? The the report by the ASEAN Parliamentarians for Human Rights detailed the use of the law against dissenters, against critics, against opposition politicians. You know, so this is uh, this is very much part of how our elections are run. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and also to address your earlier point, absolutely that if we have a law, it must be applied equally to all, mm-hmm. right? So if tomorrow they, uh, the police police reports were filed by the election department against some of those other people you mentioned, and they were also investigated the way I was investigated, then I would say, okay, that's fair enough. But if they don't, then, you know, we're going to keep fighting this as an abuse of the law and as an injustice. Yeah. And also talking about fairness here, right? I mean, let's put let's put this into perspective here. Uh, you ran a new you a new narrative ran uh, a series of ads that totaled three hundred and forty one dollars, if I'm not wrong, right? So clearly, yeah, three hundred and forty one dollars from the from September of twenty nineteen to September twenty twenty, right? So it's you're 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 sort of a far cry away from being like a super pack. Using your money to influence the elections, right? You know, let's yeah. put that into perspective. Calvin Cheng, it's on Facebook. He ran ads um, for the for the year from September 2019 to uh, September 2020, totaling seven thousand over seven thousand dollars, right? Wow. I mean, if there's somebody who's coming close to being, uh, you know, influencing our political decisions by the use of money, which I'm sure we can all agree is a poor um, is a poor show for any democracy. Then you know three hundred forty-one dollars is not gonna it's not gonna buy you an election, right? Mm. And then let's look at the power differential here as well, right? Kelvin Cheng's page has fifty-five thousand likes. It's been around for a while, um, and your your Facebook page has you know eleven thousand likes, right? So we're talking about Facebook, right? It's it's bizarre to go after new narrative because Facebook is the domain of Kelvin Cheng. That's where he primarily operates. That's where he primarily writes, right? And that's where he spends seven thousand dollars of his hard earned cash on promoting his his voter education series, among other things, right? So Kelvin Cheng is primarily on Facebook. New narrative is not even primarily on Facebook, right? You have eleven thousand likes. New narrative is primarily a website with a member based subscription based. Uh, service of content providing, right? So even even when we can see that the law is not being equally applied, right? It's not even a fair comparison because not only is it not equal, but one of the parties here is just so much more powerful and so much more connected and so much more uh, relevant to this law since we're talking about Facebook ads, right? Mm. This is where this is the area of relevance. This is somebody that that is really spending the money, really getting the views on that particular site. You know, so it's 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 really quite uh, it, it's really quite something. I, I have to say. Yeah, and mm. and I I want to add that you know if Calvin wants to do this, that's his right as a citizen to mm-hmm. be able to do this, and I have no problem with him. Uh, posting online, writing his opinion. I have a problem with some of his opinions, of course, mm-hmm. but his right to post an opinion and then boost the post and say that's voter education, you know, I have no problem with any of mm-hmm. that, right? We just want the law to be fair mm-hmm. and to be just. Uh, but instead, what we get is that the law is wielded, as we've seen very recently in other cases, the law is wielded on behalf of those with power and uh, against those who don't have power. Right, and that that's a fundamental, very deep rot in Singapore. Yeah, and I have to just say as one last aside here, right? It's particularly scaring, uh, scary. I think the insidious nature of the way that this this system is being run, that these harassments uh, and these attacks are being run, because they're not direct or straightforward authoritarianism. 
not direct or straightforward fascism. There is a kind of weaving sideways crab walk. I'm going to put out the law and it's vague and then I use my discretion, come up with some arbitrary reasons, write a strange press report, go after you. There's a kind of posturing mm -hmm. of equality, right? Reports sent out against Raisa Khan, reports sent out against uh, Siaxue, right? There is a posturing. Report sent out against New Narrative, report sent out against Ong Ye Kang. Posturing, right? But at the end of the day, what comes back? Certain people get attacked, certain people are made to pay and suffer, and other people get off mm -hmm. scot-free, right? And they continue to do their work, they continue to thrive in this online environment, right? And the whole facade or charade of a free and independent democracy with robust and vibrant conversation and independent news sources is propped up, right? Oh, we can have Kelvin Cheng debate with critical spectator. We can have Xiaxue chime in on the whole thing. What is the point, man? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same people, right? In different clothes, arguing with each other about how how much or how little they agree with it's the same thing right it's it's a circle jerk at that point right <laughs> i i mean how can you have a robust democracy if you're not going to have people who are going to challenge the narrative challenge the underlying issues uh, and i and i think even satire right i mean i'm i, I come from a literature background right satire is, is incredibly important it points out things it makes people feel it gets people upset right it provokes that interest in politics and discussion it makes it fun and not just facts and you know facts and data and stats right it makes it fun and lively and a little bit um polemic you know why are these uh how can you have a democracy without the other side how can you have a democracy without satire right i, I don't I think we're really, really looking at, uh, at elections that will no longer look like the elections that we remember or that we think about when we use the word elections, right? And that this insidious approach is particularly damaging and particularly damning. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. I, I, I get very <laughs> no, riled no. up yeah. about, about this stuff. This is upsetting mm. and you should be upset, right? Yeah. This is a fundamental challenge uh, against... Uh, our rights as individuals, um, our political rights, our human rights, mm -hmm. and definitely this is what you get riled up about. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Um, I think before I go on any further rants, I'm going to have to thank my guest, my <laughs> guest, <laughs> PJ, for talking to me, for explaining this, uh, explaining and talking to me about this entire situation. I mean, PJ, thank you so much. It's been really enlightening having you on your own show. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Sean. And I hope you always. guys enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. <clears throat> we'll keep fighting, don't worry. <laughs>